Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk About It with Taylor Nolan. I am your host, and I'm really excited for the episode today. We are continuing a little bit of a Bachelor theme for these last couple episodes. Um, Not necessarily talking about The Bachelor, but talking to women from the show. So in today's episode, uh, we're going to talk to Ashley Spivey, who was on season 15 of The Bachelor. And she honestly, we've hung out a few times. She lives in New York. Um, and I just loved following her. She like knows all the down low on everything and is just like so strong. She talks openly about like her struggles with abusive relationships and um, a sexual assault that she um, experienced in college. And she just is so outspoken and is such a like role model for young women who are struggling like standing up for themselves. And so I'm really, really excited to have her on to kind of share more about these experiences. And um, she's just an all around like wonderful lady that I'm so happy that Bachelor world has put me in contact with. So without any further ado, let's get chatting. So welcome Ashley to the show. I'm so excited to like finally have you on here. I know. I feel like this should have happened before now. (laughs) (laughs) I know it should have. You are like one of my favorite people from Batch. And I remember um, you had messaged me like a long time ago. And then I just think like it didn't come through or something. Like I don't use Twitter and I think it was on Twitter. You had messaged me or something. And then mm-hmm. once Derek and I were together, we finally got connected in New York where you are. And I remember just being like, damn, I wish I would have been connected with her like way sooner. Like she's a fucking badass. <laughs> I know. I feel like it took us forever to meet in New York. And then you left me so quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. I needed we- to. <laughs> We didn't get our time that we deserved in New York. I know. But you like, I feel like you really, you stick out to me among the other people in Bachelor Nation because I feel like you do such a good job of just like calling shit out and like you're not afraid to make people uncomfortable. You're not afraid to like stand up for what's right. And to me, it's like you're in a bit, you're in a way like such a role model for that for me because I think especially once you do get some backlash on social media, it's like you're kind of scared to to stand up and be like, no, like this is actually what I think or like this isn't okay. And I, I just know like from following you, like it's definitely encouraged and reinforced to me that like, no, these are good things to share. Like it's okay to be a little political. Like it's okay to like call shit out. <laughs> for sure. And what's the point of having this platform if you can't stand up for the things you believe in? Mm -hmm. And if people are going to choose to support you, they should appreciate those things about you. Because if you're choosing to keep those things about you quiet, Mm -hmm. then they don't know the real you. There's no point in supporting you, that they're supporting someone fake. Mm -hmm. And I guess a lot of times I don't have to worry about that because I, I don't, have the numbers like y'all have so I, I, I don't care if I lose like <laughs> you know 20,000 people or something like that because I'm just like well whatever like yeah you know that doesn't matter but yeah yeah, yeah I mean I know I know I definitely lose I don't know if it's just because I'm not in a bachelor relationship anymore or because I do or, or because I have started speaking out more about certain things you know like I talked about the R. Kelly documentary that came out I've talked about um all kinds of just, just 
all kinds of things recently, um, shared some of um, AOC's stuff. And I know that's, you know, very triggering for people in terms of like, which side are you on and all of that. So it definitely is somewhat of a risk, but yeah, I would way rather be authentic and actually have people that are following me actually have a sense of who I am and what I stand for. Um, and I feel like it's just kind of irresponsible to not to not call things out and to not make really specific points and to not stand up for people who are marginalized on our platforms because there's like really young people too that like are following this. And I, I just think it's, I feel like it's part of an obligation. <laughs> it is. Just because you were on an entertaining reality show doesn't mean that your platform and your Instagram has to be used for entertaining people now. Mm-hmm. It can also be used for educating. Mm-hmm. And if people don't like that, I mean, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just like, I think it's good to listen to other voices, even if mm-hmm. you don't necessarily agree with them, because this is how we learn things. Mm-hmm. So I encourage people not to necessarily unfollow in the beginning. Yes. I mean, if, it, if it's getting to the point where it's a hate follow for you or it's frustrating you and mm-hmm. it's no longer bringing like joy into your life, then unfollow. But at yeah. the same time, I think it's good to have differing viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I literally actually had just messaged someone. Um, I, I had got a DM and it was just very negative. And I scrolled back and there were literally like four other messages throughout the year from her that were all just so negative and mean. And I actually responded and I was just like, you know, all of your messages have been really negative. Like if I'm making you upset or uncomfortable and you're making me uncomfortable, I would really just prefer if you unfollowed me. And Great. all she wrote back was agreed. <laughs> And I was like, okay, good. I feel I feel good about that. I'm glad I got that negativity out of my life. <laughs> right. But, and at least she didn't say anything like negative back. I think that's a, yeah. <laughs> a positive interaction from something that was very negative. Yes, yes. I agree. I agree. Um, and so some of the, I want to just maybe do like a little mini overview of some of like your badass moments of calling out shit from, from Bachelor World. <laughs> okay. Um, so the first one that I can remember and you were on, what season were you on again? It was I was on Brad Womack's second season. So season 15. 15. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, And he was, that was his second season. The first time, like he didn't pick anyone. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it was very controversial. (laughs) Um, and then, so Obviously, you've, I'm sure, been calling shit out since before this, but uh, one that sticks really clear in my head was all the sexual things that came forward with Leo from um, from Becca's season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Leo was just such a uh, a character just because I feel like Nothing really had come out bad about him. Mm-hmm. And then on his season, he seemed like he was kind of kind of like a good force mm-hmm. in the Bachelor world. Um, but then all these things started like slowly leaking out about him. Mm-hmm. And he was just such a douche. I don't, I don't know how to like put that in better terms, but just like... He would try to bully women online if they were saying certain things about him. There was one girl who was sharing that he had sent unsolicited dick pics, Mm. and he was threatening her 
with a fake lawyer email, basically. And I was just like, yeah. So he was just trying to bully all these women. I mean, the stuff he had sent to Amanda Stanton, I thought was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And it even just got to a point where I think ABC should have stepped in too, because they were allowing him to go on a second reality Mm -hmm. show on Bachelor in Paradise where he got physical with other people. And Mm -hmm. it's like, this is not a good guy. This is not someone who we should be promoting. Mm -hmm. He's already made women feel um, uncomfortable in his workplace. He is threatening people online. He's sending unsolicited dick pics. Like, no, let's just stop. I get it that they wanted to use him for drama on Bachelor in Paradise by showing what happened with Joe. But also when all that stuff comes out, I feel like you just have to eliminate that person from the show. It's kind of the same mm-hmm. thing like what happened with Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I wish that they I don't think I watched that or I, I don't think I know what happened with Lincoln. Okay, so with Lincoln, what happened is that midway through Becca's season Reality Steve got an email saying that um, he needed to check into one of the contestants who lived in the South Boston area. There was only one. Mm -hmm. It was Lincoln. Um, I decided to kind of pursue looking into that a little bit more just because then I became like really invested in it. Um, But I found out that he had, I guess, like kind of assaulted a woman on a cruise ship by grabbing her. Um, Did he grab her by the her pussy? Gen- uh, yes. <laughs> he grabbed her genitals. I can't. Uh, yeah. Not okay. Just not okay. Not okay. Um, so we got that information. I, I didn't go to ABC with it at that point just because I kind of felt like at that point, they weren't very receptive to any time we found out something like this about people. Mm-hmm. So I decided to release it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Just because, too, I feel like if people live in Boston and they're interacting with him at that point, they deserve yeah. to know, too, this this isn't just like an ABC-related situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but after, you know, that information came out, they still kept Lincoln in the edits Mm -hmm. where they could have easily gone in there and taken him out of the show and been like, this isn't someone we need to have on there. Or even I was like, what if underneath his name, they were just like sex offender because (laughs) he was, Mm -hmm. this is someone who is a registered sex offender now. Jeez. Yeah. All right. It's time for a mini break here from one of my favorite sponsors, Grove. Um, it's like springtime. We're cleaning up. We're, you know, oftentimes a lot of those cleaning materials have a lot of toxic chemicals in them, which is not my jam. So I love, love, love shopping at Grove because they make healthier home products accessible and affordable. Over half a million families shop on Grove.co for non-toxic dish soap, plant-based skincare, and tree-free bath tissue. So they make it very, very easy to find the best natural eco-friendly products online and then they get delivered straight to your door. One of my favorite items that they have are the Mrs. Myers 
products. So whether it's their soap or it's their laundry detergent, I absolutely love them. Um, I recently actually got a bunch of dish soap because I was running low and thankfully I didn't have to go anywhere <laughs> to get it. It just got delivered right to my door. Um, and right now you guys can get this exclu- exclusive Mrs. Myers offer from Grove before it runs out. You can select your favorite spring scents. Mine is mint. Um, and new customers will get a free cleaning set in these limited edition scents. When you place your first order of $20, you can get a free Mrs. Myers spring hand soap, Mrs. Myers dish soap, their spring multi-surface spray, which I love. I use on all my counters. Um, you can get a cleaning caddy from the Grove collaborative and a walnut scrubber sponges, which I also have and I love them. I'm very picky about my sponges. (laughs) Um, So right now you guys should definitely try Grove before this exclusive spring offer runs out. For a limited time, my listeners get a three-piece cleaning set from Mrs. Meyer's Spring Scents, a free 60-day VIP membership and a surprise bonus gift for just you when you sign up and place an order of $20 or more. So again, check out Grove and our special offer at grove.co slash Taylor. That's grove.co, not com slash Taylor. Again, grove.co, not com, grove.co slash Taylor. And make sure to get on this gift set before it runs out. And we can get back to the show. Now, what would you say if I were to play devil's advocate here for the people that are like, you know, oh, well, that's stuff that they did in their past. Like, you know, this is their chance for love. Like, you need to just let what was in the past be in the past. And I'm sure that they've learned from that. Like, what would you say to someone that that has that approach? Well, in terms of him, this is something that they did not catch in his background check. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is something that he lied to ABC about. Mm -hmm. And that could have put Becca in a very bad position. Yeah. Like, thank God she wasn't ever in a situation where they could have gotten physical or something like that. But I feel like stuff like this has to be put out there. This only happened two years before the show started. And Mm -hmm. he kept on getting a continuation where he didn't get a judgment in that case until after the show had already filmed. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sticky situation. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I feel like he wasn't honest about it. It deserved to come out. Mm-hmm. I think it was a great learning moment for ABC and just knowing that you can't trust these people to be truthful about what's on their background. Mm-hmm. Now... So- Again, a little bit of devil's advocate here. Um, What do we think about saying that like, you know, okay, maybe we don't know the full story. Maybe like she was also antagonizing things. Like, is he really a danger to Becca or to whoever? And maybe he just misread her signals. Yeah. Because there are legit people who say this. So yeah. I'm curious how we how we respond to stuff like that. I I think that he definitely I'm sure that he can learn from this. I just don't think that a reality show 
-hmm. where you're going to be dating someone and being put in these physical situations. I just don't think that's the right place for someone. Mm -hmm. I think that if, if he wants to go through all of his, um, like he, he could have gone to jail. Mm-hmm. He decided, I think they gave him um, community service instead. And then he would have to go to like an AA meeting hmm. um, for his sentence. If he wants to go through that whole program yeah. and then try out for the show and be honest about his background and then let ABC decide what they want to do with it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I, I just feel like, I, I don't know that a dating show is the right place for people who have that on their record. I yeah. just, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Maybe have a little bit longer uh, of a yeah. journey to understand who they are and what they're going through before getting into some kind of a relationship for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so then I want to move a little bit outside of Batch, kind of on the same theme though here, um, because a lot of what, you know, in in this sense that we've been talking about related to the show that, you know, men kind of being called out for these things that they're doing um, towards women, whether it's sexual or physical. And there's like this whole notion now, you know, we've heard Trump say it and all of this that like, it's a scary time to be a young man in America these days because you can be accused of anything. Um, and I'm curious for you, like how you've wrapped your head around that statement. And like, if you've, you know, put yourself in the shoes of perhaps a guy who, you know, thinking back in high school, like was maybe a little bit too drunk and maybe got a little too frisky and, you know, is is in fear that like, oh, what if that's going to come back to haunt me and I don't get a job or something like that? I feel like with my personal experiences, I just have trouble um, having sympathy for Mm -hmm. that type of situation just because... um, one, I was in a physically abusive relationship most of high school, two mm-hmm. years into college as well, um, where multiple people, whether it was his family, um, our friends, pretty much anyone kind of just like swept everything yeah. under the rug and they knew what was going on and no one was really out there protecting me. Mm-hmm. And he went on to like go to college and become a college athlete and yeah. things like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's always <laughs> something that like blows my mind because even when the R. Kelly thing came out, I was talking about it on, on my Instagram and there were a few people, not a lot, but of course these voices are very loud. Um questioning the victim, the survivors and victims and, um, you know, really kind of putting some blame on them. There was some victim blaming happening there. And to me, it was like, it's baffling to me sometimes that like, we just don't believe the person that's being abused and we automatically question them as opposed to the person being accused of abusing. That it's like, why? Like just such a weird dynamic mentally because I, I don't think that we want to believe that that good people that we know or people that we look up to would do such terrible things right I mean a great example of that is even that leaving Neverland documentary that just came out and mm-hmm. people having such a tough time with believing that Michael Jackson could do something like that mm-hmm. and I think also it's that we've had a couple of examples um say like the Duke lacrosse case where there was 
someone who was saying she was a victim. Turns out she was not telling the truth about that situation. And that, for some reason, sticks in people's minds. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that people just have to realize is most victims are not telling their story to receive book deals, money, <laughs> book deals, or I, I don't know exactly what they think is going to be accomplished um, by mm-hmm. sharing your story in that way. And in no way do I ever share my story by hoping that I'm going to receive like fame or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's that I think there's an obligation at some point to tell your story because other people are going to hear it and it's going to help other people come forward. Mm-hmm. Every time it used to be that I felt like if I shared my story, that it made me look weak. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to share it because then people would look at me and they'd just be like, Oh, how could you let someone, yeah. you know, beat the shit out of you for four years? Mm-hmm. Like you, you must not be a strong person. And that's not, not the case. Know, that's not, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, or even if I've um, spoke out about my rape, I, that doesn't make me a weak person. Mm-hmm. If anything, every time I tell that story, like I get a little stronger and being able to admit the details or like help other people bring mm-hmm. their truth to light. Yeah. No, I think that's so important. And they, in addition to to what you just said, to piggyback off of that, I think there's a part of telling your story that's that's also healing for your own process of understanding sure. what happened to you. And so not only when you speak up about it, are you helping other people know that they're not alone, providing education and a learning experience for other people who may have just gone through something or are currently going through something, but you're also like healing yourself in the process. Like it's kind of like a part of like narrative therapy uh, that can be really empowering to feel like you're owning your story and like you're not letting it shame you. So I think there's something that can be really shaming about keeping our story to ourselves and feeling silenced because of it, because of all these fears of, you know, well, what is someone else going to think? And am I going to look weak? And are they going to, are they going to question me? You know, um, that there are so many fears just even get to that step of saying, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to share. Um, and so I think it is really important to empower people to actually share. And that's part of why I want to do this. And part of why I want to have you on today, Ashley, too. <laughs> because you have... Well, that's why Well, that's why I respect your podcast so much. Because I do see you doing that a lot with other people. And I feel like every story that you're choosing to help tell is really important for other people to hear. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's time for a little bit of a break to share one of our sponsors, Shoe Dazzle, who I love. And guys, it is springtime. We are going through our closets. It might be time to uh, snazz up your shoe collection. And Shoe Dazzle is definitely the place to get your shoe fix. So not only do they actually have shoe stuff, they also have clothing, like really cute clothes and accessories. They just have thousands of ways to step up your look. And they actually have new hot styles that drop every week. You can shop as a guest, but I'm going to tell you right now that VIP is the way to go. You get this really fun style quiz 
services that personalizes your shopping experience. So I'm definitely like much more of a solid color kind of person than I'm a patterned person. And when you sign up as a VIP, you save 30% off on most retail prices all day, every day. Plus you get free shipping and returns, not to mention a bunch of other uh, exclusive sales and perks. And it's a flexible membership. So each month you can choose to shop or skip. And now is the time to sign up, guys. You can be a VIP right now. You'll get your first pair of shoes for 75% off. That's as low as $10. You honestly, like you can't beat that. (laughs) This is an exclusive deal just for our podcast listeners. So make sure you go to shoedazzle.com slash about it to get it. Again, that's shoedazzle.com slash about it to step up your look today for as low as $10. One last time, guys, that's shoedazzle.com slash about it. And now we can get back to the show. We literally all have a story and all of our stories are like so different. Like there's definitely some similarities, but each person has such a unique life experience. And again, that's one of the, one of the things I love about uh, doing therapy and being in the helping field is, you know, every single client is going to be different. You're going to learn like in depth, someone new and what their story is. And it's it's never going to be the same thing. And in and, and each of those stories, there's so much beauty, there's so much strength, there's so much resilience, there's a lot of pain to sort through, but it's just, it's a beautiful beautiful process. Um, and I just think it's amazing how much we go through as humans and especially as women, um, that we are just so resilient. And so I'm like very thankful for everyone that, that comes on and is willing to share their story. And I, I have not had a guest on that's, um, that's shared stories like what you've experienced with rape and sexual assault. Um, So this would be kind of a new topic for listeners to hear firsthand from someone. Um, And so I'm curious, you know, for you, what you're kind of comfortable sharing um, in terms of the relationship that you just spoke a little bit about, the one that you were in for four years. Um, I know abusive relationships is a very touchy topic and something that so many people go through and myself have experienced. So you're definitely not alone in that, which I know, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm an open book with these two topics now. I think that enough time has passed. And, um, I think the thing that was like the hardest for me was not forgiving those people. It was forgiving myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because we get so, so hard on ourselves. Yeah. And I would say that if when you don't talk about it and when you're blaming yourself, that's that's your own like special prison mm-hmm. that you live in for forever. Mm-hmm. And that was a dark place for me for a very long time. And um, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I feel better about it, being able to talk about it. And if it helps at least one person, then I feel like it's Mm -hmm. worth it to tell that story. Yeah. But I don't know which one you want to start (laughs) with. (laughs) Well, I guess one thing like people ask me a lot is like, um, how did you know, like, at what point did you realize that your relationship was becoming abusive or that it has been abusive? Like, was there a turning point or did someone call something out for you? And kind of what were those maybe initial warning signs that you didn't realize at first were, you know, signs that this would become abusive and, you know, did it 
literally take the physical part to come in because I think that's something that we all need to be reminded of that like even if an abusive relationship doesn't reach the point of physical violence, that does not mean that it was not abusive. Like you can still be in a domestically violent relationship without it involving physical violence. Yeah, I think that mine initially was more emotionally abusive Mm -hmm. and I I should have actually I don't know if I should have seen the warning signs just because I was so young at that point and that's something that you you don't learn until much later and I had kind of a special um relationship with him and his family because Mm -hmm. uh this is probably like way too much information but kind of what happened whenever I was a senior in high school is that my parents had this very public divorce or splitting Mm -hmm. up and I, um, did not live with them any longer. Mm -hmm. So I moved into my boyfriend at the time's grandma's house. Mm -hmm. So I became very reliant on his family. Yeah. And I think that that was something that was really tough on our relationship just because I don't know if a high school relationship at that point is ready to tackle yeah. everything that comes along with that not not blaming it on me but yeah. just saying that, that at was, the time as a high schooler yeah. you're like oh we got yeah. this but I'm really yeah. glad that you just made that distinction uh, when you started off saying like well I should have known like because again right. that is a part of like how hard we are on ourselves of like blaming ourselves and being like well like this part was my fault and I could have done this differently and yeah I think it is helpful to look back and be like this was something that now I would know going forward is like not okay. But yeah, you were so young. And like, that's what we forget. Like when we are in high school, we definitely have this little invincibility. um, uh, I'm blanking on the word, Uh, but we feel that we're invincible. And so we just like do all these ridiculous things, but like our prefrontal cortex is not fully developed. So like we're making all these decisions and still don't really fully know what we're doing. So you... It's not your fault. (laughs) I almost feel like too, I think I've just read too many books or seen too many movies where for some reason I thought there had to be this like constant source of like passion Mm -hmm. where like you're fighting really hard, you're making up really hard. Like that's what a relationship Mm -hmm. is. Very dramatic. Yes. And so when that was happening, I was just thinking, oh, well, this is what great loves are made up of. And no, mm-hmm. that is not what they should be like, especially in high school, you know? Um, so, yeah, it was just, there was a lot on our relationship. But two, he used me going through that really hard time to kind of put me through a lot of things emotionally. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I reacted reacted negatively towards that, then he became physically violent. Mm-hmm. And because I was in such a vulnerable position, then I just put all the blame on myself. Mm-hmm. I thought I was like stressing him out too much or I was being annoying or this was too much for him to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so I, I put that all on me and... um it was just a lot to go through. You know, I had just like lost my family. I, um, was trying to get a scholarship to like go to college because I was like, well, now I don't have a family. Like how am I going to go to school? Mm -hmm. Um, so it was just a lot of stress, 
uh, putting up with a lot of things that I shouldn't have put up with, but just because if I didn't have his family, I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so can I, is it okay if I ask a question about family? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so basically then when this divorce came up, uh, you just kind of were like, I, I'm not a part of this family anymore and I don't, I don't want to have this relationship anymore. And that was when you left to go be with your boyfriend or were there other parts there? Because I don't think that that's totally like uh, a natural progression of a, of a divorce. I don't know. Oh, for sure. Um, so this is kind of what happened. My, whenever um, my parents decided to split up, my mom took my little sister, who is nine years younger than me, mm-hmm. and they um, moved about an hour away. And so I lived with, sorry if I cry at this part. Okay. <laughs> um, I decided to stay with my dad, who um, dealt a lot with depression, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that it was just, like, too much for him, and he just... He didn't know how to take care of me and he didn't know how to like do it by himself. Mm-hmm. So one day he just left. Mm. So then it was just me trying to take care of myself. And I knew my mom and my sister couldn't move back at that point. Mm-hmm. So um, I went and lived with my boyfriend at the time's grandma. And then once I had moved out, my dad actually came back Um mm-hmm. But it wasn't like, you know, you can come back and stay with me or anything like that. And so, um, I mean, I think, you know, like my dad passed away when I was um, older. Hmm. But this is something that like really affected our relationship for a long time just because, um, I mean, it was just like a really tough situation. Yeah. And I felt like in a lot of ways that he didn't want to take care of me or he didn't mm-hmm. want to. I don't know, kind of helped me through that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, that, that was like a super, th- thank you for being open and sharing that. Um, and I think, you know, already you were looking for a sense of uh, safety, just knowing that your parents were separating. And so looking to that and your dad, and then, I mean, he basically just essentially abandoned you in that. And then, mm-hmm. and then in that point, then you're kind of looking to, a different male figure of your boyfriend now to kind of take care of you and be supportive. And, and then he's reacting in this very abusive way. And like, that's so much to go through at such a young age. And I mean, you had to grow up very fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like those were, um, sometimes I feel like I almost like blacked out Mm-hmm. two years of my life just because yeah. I was just going through so much. And then I was hoping going to college would kind of mm-hmm. change a lot of things. And then yeah. my first year in college, basically another really horrible thing happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Okay, it's time for a little break for a message from one of our sponsors that I want to share with you guys. So much of what we do with our skincare and our food and so many things that we do for ourselves, our fashion are all personalized. And we love our animals so much. And I'm like, why is there nothing that like was personalized for our animals? So I want to introduce you guys to Puppo, which actually provides personalized nutrition for your dogs um, from size and age to wellness goals and ingredient sensitivities. Uh, Puppo actually uh, makes different like nutritional plans for your dog. So it's very unique. Um, all other dog food out there is just kind of generic and it's not really tailored to your dog's needs. So Puppo actually provides pet nutritionists on staff to answer any questions and they use wholesome natural ingredients that, um, and also include essential vitamins and nutrients. So real meat is always the first ingredient with no artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives or animal byproduct meal. And not only is that great, but then it's also a super easy, convenient system. So um, it just gets delivered to your door. There's no need to like lug huge piles of dog food around because that's just not fun. <laughs> um, and so right now you guys can try Puppo for your dog. You can go to visitpuppo.com slash Taylor to get 14 days of personalized dog food delivered for only $9. And my family and I, we have two dogs, Mingo and Molly, a beagle and a pit, and their dietary needs are very, very different. So Puppo has worked super, super great for us. Again, you can visit puppo.com slash Taylor to get 14 days of personalized dog food delivery for only $9. And that's P-U-P-P-O.com slash Taylor. Taylor. So make sure you check them out and we can get back to the show. I want to touch very briefly just um you you had said a second ago that you know you felt like maybe your dad like just didn't want to take care of you and mm-hmm. I'm sure your adult brain knows this and I always like to separate between like our inner child and our adult version of ourselves because especially when we think back to trauma or loss or anything really emotional a lot of times it's that pain of that inner child coming back up and speaking and of saying, you know, that he didn't want to take care of you. And I I don't know your dad personally, um, but I would imagine that it was, you know, he, he didn't know how to, that even if he wanted to, that he was also kind of suffering from depression, like you mentioned, and going through a divorce and that he had no clue how to be a parent to you at that time. And that's really heartbreaking for, you know, adolescent Ashley. Um, right. And I'm, I'm sure if he, if he could have changed that, that he would have. For sure. And I think that's something too that'll like always weigh heavily on me just because I didn't know everything he was going through at that point. And mm-hmm. now that I'm older, like I can identify with it more and I didn't know how mm-hmm. deep his depression was. So for a long time, I was very upset with him. Yeah. And now I get it. And I wish I could just be like, I get it, you know, yeah. but. And that's so hard because even when your like adult brain is like, I get it, I can make sense of it. That right. still doesn't take away from the pain that that inner child feels and felt. For sure. You know, like that's still very real. You still felt like you weren't cared for. You still felt like um, you you were maybe perhaps unloved and that he didn't want to take care of you. Like all those feelings are still very valid and very real. 
Yeah. Um, no, for sure. <laughs> and then kind of like you said, you know, moving to college and thinking that that's going to change things. I think that's something we do so frequently, you know, we're like, oh, well, we're just going to move to a new stage of our life. But then <laughs> all those things still follow us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then new things happen. Right. No. And that's, I think that used to be my coping mechanism. It's mm-hmm. just when things got bad and I could just change my situation and hopefully make everything better. But yeah. That doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> At all. <laughs> yeah. It really doesn't. Um, that'd be a great, like, easy fix for most of our problems, but right. it doesn't work. Um, yeah. And so I'm curious if at any point during that time, were you introduced at all to therapy, like maybe in college or um, just going through the divorce in school, if you got in touch with like a guidance counselor or if there were any resources that were, you know, recommended to you at that time? Yes. So actually, um, around this time, I did start seeing a therapist and I also started taking Prozac. Okay. Um, cause I, I was obviously just like very depressed as well. And mm-hmm. someone, um, in our school system was smart enough to like realized that I was going through too much and there was someone that I needed to talk to that wasn't mm-hmm. involved in our whole situation that could kind of yeah give me a different perspective on everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. But I will say that even um, in talking to that therapist, there was a lot that I didn't think I could tell that person. Mm-hmm. So I did keep a lot quiet. Yeah. But if I would have opened up about that, then maybe I could have. Mm-hmm addressed a lot of what was going on a lot better, but I just wanted to protect everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think another part of that too was just like the amount of time that you are in therapy. You know, I think that the, that the longer that you're with it and the stronger that your relationship grows with your therapist, that some of that fear and those walls start to come down. For sure. But yeah. If I wasn't leaving and I could have addressed it uh, mm-hmm. for a lot longer, then I think I probably would have made a lot more breakthroughs in my therapy <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so then you said you, once you were in college, a, a new kind of bad event happened. I'm, I'm assuming a, a new trauma occurred. Um, and at that time, when you moved to college, were you still with this boyfriend Yes. I was still with the boyfriend. Um, He was a year younger than me. So I would still, even though when I went to college, I would still go home a lot on the weekends um, Mm -hmm. to kind of keep our relationship alive. I don't know. Yeah. Um, But what happened whenever I went to college is that I decided to join a sorority. Mm -hmm. um, And at the time, I thought that was a great way to meet new people and kind of just start all over. And at first, it was great. And um, I made a lot of great friends. But um, at a mixer um, that we were doing with another fraternity, someone just put something in my drink. Hmm. And um, I completely blacked out. I don't remember anything that happened. Um But when I woke up the next day, like, I can't describe that feeling to you. But basically, I had only had sex with one person before this happened. Mm. And um, 
it felt like my insides had been like ripped out. Mm-hmm. Like to this day, I still don't even know like what exactly happened, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was, it was not a great feeling. I actually did not know who did it until, um, someone told me a little later from my sorority, like someone who had found me <laughs> mm. and, um, found you back in your room or no, in his room. Mm. And, um, yeah, <laughs> I felt like I tried to go to some people within the Greek system and some mm-hmm. administrators at the school. And everyone was just basically like, you know, because you didn't take the necessary steps to <laughs> get a rape kit or things like that. Um, there's really nothing that we can do and it's in your best interest not to do that. Um, yeah, I just, Mm. (laughs) yeah, it was not great. Um, and then at that point, I think my body just completely shut down. Mm -hmm. I developed, um, colitis which I don't know if you know what that is, but um, mine was caused by stress and it was one of the most painful things I've ever gone through. I had to reduce my course load at school just because I was sick all the time. I was so deeply depressed. Um, I had like the worst incident with that boyfriend at the time where Like, I went to see him, and he broke a cell phone on my face. Um, And then I I think I just had, like, a mental breakdown. And Mm -hmm. I went to go see my mom, and I think she, like, really kind of helped me through that time. Um, But I I dropped out of the sorority. I just kind of was by myself for a while until... I got out of that really dark place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I tried to stay at that school, but I never really felt safe there. Yeah. I never felt like I could go out. I never felt like I could really like drink anymore there mm-hmm. or anything. Um, so at that point, I decided to transfer schools. Mm-hmm. Just so I wouldn't have to think about it constantly. Like, yeah. I would still see that person on campus. Yep. Like, I had him in a class. Like, mm-hmm. it was terrifying. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could give you a hug. I wish we were in person <laughs> because that's just, that's so much to go through all within such a short period of time. And I mean, that that had always been like my biggest fears in going out was, you know, potentially getting drugged and not knowing what would happen. And honestly, it's a people ask me all the time why I don't drink. And that's that was a huge part of it. I would go to I wasn't in a sorority in college, but even in high school, I'd go to college parties at College Park in Maryland and I would have my one water bottle. <laughs> And I would never let go of it. I had the cap on it at all times. Like I was so terrified that something would happen. And I, a large reason why I never drank was because 
you know, I would hear these stories and I was terrified. I was like, I don't want to not remember what happened. Not even if someone were to drug me, but just if I were drinking and something could happen and someone could take advantage of me. Like I was just so terrified of that entire experience, just the potential of that happening that I was like very freakishly cautious, like (laughs) um, obsessively cautious almost at times. All right, it's time for a little break. I want to share with you guys a new sponsor to the podcast called Every Plate, where you can get meals delivered right to your door. And one of my biggest things when it comes to food is waste. And so I really, really dislike wasting food and the food that I don't eat gets composted. So it's not fully wasted. Um, And by using uh, every plate, you actually don't have to buy more ingredients than what you need because every plate's recipes come with everything already pre-measured. So I love that it cuts down on the waste that you're going to be using when you go to make a meal. Um, Not only that, but... When other dinner options cost around $10 per serving, Every Plate is offering five chef-designed chef designed recipes each week from only $4.99 per serving. So they have such a variety of recipes that you can pick from and um, they usually only take about 30 minutes. So uh, it's faster than going to the grocery store and then trying to pick a recipe and doing all this stuff. It just makes it a lot simpler. (laughs) Um, And so earlier this week, I made a pasta dish from them. Um, It came, we did get it with a little bit of bacon so that Canada man could have some on his portion. And then mine was vegetarian and it was really delicious. We, you know, it just all kind of came together really quickly and we didn't have to stress out about going to the store and making sure we had everything that we had enough of everything. So highly, highly recommend using them. Again, we saved money on this. Um, the meals are just so much simpler with using every plate. Um, and right now, you guys can get six free meals across your first three weeks and free shipping on your first delivery. Just go to everyplate.com and enter LTAI6. So again, that's basically let's talk about it. The first letters of each of that, everyplate.com and enter LTAI6. Um, This offer equates to one third off of each of your first three boxes. And basically, as a podcast listener, you will receive free shipping off your first delivery, making the cost of your first box go down to $20. So make sure you check it out. Again, that's everyplate.com and enter LTAI6. And thank you so much to EveryPlate for being a new sponsor for the pod. And now we can get back to the show. I can only empathize with what that must feel like to go through. And again, to get that response from people is so, so, so infuriating. And I really just hope that the more that people are able to hear what this is actually like to go through, then the more people will be able to empathize and, you know, try to actually help and do something about it as opposed to make you feel shameful or make it so that you still have to have a class with this person and just kind of not have any answers as to what happened to you and to have no kind of accountability for that person, you know, that's just so upsetting. Right. And sometimes I do wonder if just as much as I felt like wronged in these situations where I just felt like I couldn't speak out, that's why I almost like feel like I have to speak out about Mm -hmm. people now. 
Yeah. Where just like, if I can like even protect like one person, Mm -hmm. then I just, I do feel like sort of this obligation to try to help out with things like this. Mm -hmm. So in a way, like I hope my story can help people understand that a little bit yeah, and understand where like my drive, even though I know I can be like (laughs) very passionate about it. I know it like puts some people off. Like I hope that helps people understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think too, even if someone hasn't experienced what you've experienced and they speak out very passionately about this kind of stuff, I still think it's, you know, totally valid and still something that people should be able to get behind of like, of course, why would you not be passionate about something like this? Like that is, that's really terrifying. And that's really a terrible thing to have happen. And so why would you not want to get behind that and make sure that that doesn't happen? You know, and I, for one, very, very, very much respect that you use your voice and that you speak up because it is helping people, you know, you may not see it, you may not um, get told that it is, but it, 100% 100% is. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. And and now you're now you're married. Um and so I want to hear a little bit from you like how you kind of cuz I think I think especially today like uh I find my friends and meet women that feel like they're in such this state of like, fuck men of like, (laughs) there is so much shit that these men are doing and I'm so over it and I'm so tired of it. And just like not having any desire really to pursue them and not feeling, um, very connected and just feeling like no, no man really gets it. And I'm curious for you, you know, I would almost, um, unconsciously maybe put you in that category given what you've experienced that you would just kind of be like it's very difficult to trust people and you know not sure how to go about building a healthy relationship and so I'm curious uh, from your kind of viewpoint maybe in your reflection of the development of your relationship with your current husband um, or you know just kind of what you've learned from all of that and how people can go from, you know, abusive relationships and uh, sexual assaults to having a loving, healthy marriage. Yeah, I would. Okay. So I think that I've, <laughs> I, I've gone back and forth between being like, fuck men, I hate men. Like, <laughs> and then also just like being in very unhealthy relationships where I was mm-hmm. trying to get answers from these men that like I wasn't going to get or they weren't going to like fill those empty like holes in me that Mm -hmm. I needed filled um so with the help of therapy and with the help of um actually I would say Steve I I feel like Mm -hmm. I've gotten to a good place just because I let him know all those things about me and he never once felt like it was anything bad and he didn't ever look at me like I was a victim like Mm -hmm. he looked at me like I was a survivor and I think that that's always given me a lot of strength just Mm -hmm. because like I don't know I never felt like when he was looking at me he was like feeling sorry for me or he was feeling like I was someone who was damaged Mm -hmm. that needed to be Um, taken care of in this kind of like damsel in distress way Um, right and also to clarify this is Steve husband not Steve reality Steve (laughs) yeah (laughs) Which a funny story, like 
I always mess up because like I text both of them throughout the day <laughs> and sometimes I send them both like messages and they'll just be like wrong Steve <laughs> which is so weird yes <laughs> but I think um that's like very very sweet and and I've met Steve and he is very sweet and very much adores you um and I think it's I'm not sure if that was kind of the first experience for you of dating, of, of sharing your story and feeling like he looked at you as like a strong, resilient woman as opposed to this sad victim that needed to be taken care of. But I think it's like really easy to mistake the latter for someone that's going to be good for us and that's going to rescue us. And, you know, I think that even that whole notion of someone rescuing us can be, can be a bit dicey. Um, oh, yeah, because for sure. you got to look at their motives and what what um, what holes that's filling for them and what they're kind of fulfilling. And I've had people that I've dated that felt like you know that they were saving me from uh, you know public relationships are hard. Um, yeah, <laughs> that, that that they were saving me from you know a bad edit or you know that that I was in a way a damsel in distress kind of thing and. Whenever someone's ever brought that up to me of, you know, like, oh, a damsel in distress, I'm like, yo, step step back. <laughs> I'm like, no, right. <laughs> that's not the situation. <laughs> yeah. No, I've, I've had those guys too where that's all he wanted to do. And in a lot of ways, I mean, this is, this is a completely different relationship, but he, I think, thought that he was doing me a favor. Mm -hmm. And by thinking that he was doing me a favor, he, like, in some weird way, like, started resenting me and started acting out. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, the way that manifested is he just, like, cheated on me all of the time. Which is so weird when you think what he was trying to do is, like, trying to be a savior towards me. But then also just, like, hooking up with 20 women. Real helpful. Yeah. yeah, real helpful. Thanks. Just added to my list of issues. Yep, yep. <laughs> but so Steve really looked at you and, and does look at you as a strong, resilient woman who's gone through these things and you were like very transparent with him about what you've experienced and you felt like he was kind of like he was like, I'm on I'm on board with this. Like you're a strong, badass woman that I can that I can get behind, that I can stand beside. Yeah, I mean, I even think I told him on our first date. And it did not scare him away at all. If anything, he was just like, wow, like you went through all that and somehow you're still here and you're still strong and Mm -hmm. I respect that. So like I I loved hearing that from him. Yeah. Was it something you had ever heard before? No. No, 100% not. Or like, I feel like it was something I always kind of kept inside. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually, I do take that back. I did have another um, great boyfriend in college who was really great at showing me, I think, kind of like what unconditional love is like. Mm. Um, Or even just he was like a a source of... um, kind of like steadiness in mm-hmm. my life. Yeah. Um, even if he wasn't my boyfriend, he was always one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And so he taught me a lot about um, just kind of, I feel like in college, it's very difficult to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so he was always like, love doesn't have to look like this. It can look 
Aww. like a bunch of different things and we yeah. don't need to get like caught up in what we think it's supposed to look like. So I don't know. He, I he agree taught me with a him. lot of good things too. No, he, he was great. He taught me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And like, I'm, I'm curious. I know for myself, my first relationship, the guy I lost my virginity to as well. Um, he and I are not on speaking terms. Um, him and Derek are the only two exes that I have like zero communication with. Um, and I'm curious for you, if you ever have told that first boyfriend, um, from high school, like how it's impacted you or if you guys have any kind of a relationship today, it's, it's always something, I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky thing when I think about it on my end with my first relationship, but to date, he, he's reached out a few times with some apologies and very long, like Facebook messages and stuff. But um, I've I've never responded. Yeah, he has reached out to me a couple of times to apologize, and at first I was not receptive to it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it was maybe like right after I got off the show, hmm. which. I thought that was an interesting Yeah, interesting time timing. Because, oh, yeah. Then everyone, you know, like comes out of the woodwork to offer mm-hmm. their apologies or things like that. Yeah. Um, but he he went through some like tough stuff um, himself. And I did feel like he was sincere in his apology. Mm-hmm. And it helped me let go of a lot of things by yeah. being able to forgive him for all that. Um, so I don't know. I we don't talk mm-hmm. really. Um, I, I feel like I saw something that he put up on Facebook recently, and like I said something about it, but mm-hmm. yeah. that's as far as it goes. Yeah, I think there's like a small threshold of time as to when the relationship has quote unquote ended, and someone can reach out with an apology, and you kind of feel like sucked back in a little bit versus yeah. that. Once that threshold is passed and it's like, no, I've walked away and I'm done. And like nothing you say is going to change my mind. And like I know that this was wrong and this is not what I want and I'm I'm not not about it anymore. Um and so I think it sounds like for both of us, and granted, when I look back at mine, like there were several of those that happened within that threshold where we kept going back and forth. But um right once that decision was made and it was like, nope, we're done. Like, this is really like, I'm fully walking away from this. That apology in a way, it did help me forgive him. And this is where I've always been like very um, curious and interested in doing work with perpetrators of sexual violence and sexual abuse um, because for several reasons, but I, I struggle because I don't want to demonize or dehumanize these people. Uh, But at the same time, I do want them to be held accountable and to understand um, how they are hurting other people. And so part of me is like, you know, oh, well, yeah, I should be able to just have a friendship and understand where he's coming from and, you know, yada, 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 but boundaries, come in. Right. And those are really when important. When it's so different when it's personal for mm-hmm. you, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
it's so uncomfortable to talk about. <laughs> yeah. But but it's important too. Um, it is. Yeah. And, and I really, really appreciate like a lot of this, like I, I knew that you had shared, you know, also that you'd been in abusive relationships and that you had experienced this sexual assault, but had never actually had a chance to have your story, um, be, be told and shared with me. And as we said, you know, my time in New York was cut short and so we didn't get to, didn't get to chat more and bond more, but I just, I love you so much even more after, you know, learning all this like already I was like Ashley is just such a badass and like is such a strong (laughs) like resilient woman and like just doesn't let other people bring her down like at all and I've always (laughs) loved that about you and just like knowing more of your story is just like just reinforces that you're fucking I haven't always been that way I was like a doormat for a very long time so I hope like now you know kind of more of my story Mm -hmm. and like I knew the first time I met you that, like, we were kindred spirits. Like, Mm -hmm. I already loved you, like, even before I met you. I just (laughs) knew that this was going to be, like, a perfect friendship. Just, I don't know. I feel like we've always gotten each other. Mm -hmm. Like, we have so much, like, mutual respect and admiration Mm -hmm. for each other. So, yeah, just now I feel the same way about you. Well, thank you. (laughs) So sweet. And honestly, even even when you felt like you were, were a doormat, I... You you still had all of this strength in you. You just didn't know how to come out with it yet. You know, right. like it's so hard. I I frequently do go back. You know, and I even within the last two three years from being on the show, I'll go back and kind of think about Taylor then that version of myself and and talk to that version of myself. And sometimes I do. I see myself as like I was a total doormat and I was like so submissive and so quiet and. It's like, you know, I look at myself as weak almost. And then it's like, I have to, you know, have adult brain, talk to child brain here and be like, no, like you still had all that strength in you, but look at what you were dealing with. Like that was so difficult for you to speak up and to stand up. And like, you were not weak in that moment. You just, you really got to have compassion for the whole context of everything that was happening. And Again, I'm just, I'm so proud to know you. I'm so proud to know your story. And I just think, I just think you're so resilient. And again, like every time I talk to people on here, like I had Caroline on and I don't know if you've talked with Caroline. um, I love her. Yeah. Like she's amazing. And I'm just like the more that I hear other people's stories and the more that I just like get to know people on a deeper level, I'm just like, God damn, (laughs) we're so strong. No, seriously. And this is something like I want people to get like even from the show. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I don't want people to put too much stock into the show because I think that one thing that's like similar with me and you is not that we necessarily like hated our time in the show because I don't. But mm-hmm. what I wanted to do after the show is show people that I was more than that. Yeah. That that, that mm-hmm. wasn't all I had to offer and that there was more to me. And I think that sometimes when people do go on the show, they can get very caught up into what viewers think they're supposed to be like yep. and yep. try to maintain that 
personality and identity after the show. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. You know, you can show people like all aspects of your personality and yourself when you get off. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I really love that you do on your show. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. It's like, honestly, I've gone back and forth and even uh, my boyfriend now, he, you know, has no nothing about the show. He doesn't have an Instagram. Like he's very private and, mm-hmm. you know, he's also very business minded. And so I talk about the podcast and this video on Instagram and therapy stuff is all kind of separate, but, um, you know, he does kind of ask me like, how come I don't go to these premieres? How come I don't do these things? And to me, it's like, you know, I'm okay if I lose 40,000 followers because I'm no longer in a bachelor relationship because those people only wanted to follow me because of bachelor and because of that relationship. And honestly, parts of it, it's like, it's not good for your mental health to get caught up in this game of how do I increase my followers? I got to go to this bachelor premiere and I got to be friends with this bachelor person. And it's just so much and it's exhausting and it's not at all authentic. And I think you do get caught up in this reinforcement of social media, the positive reinforcement of likes, of engagement, of followers and wanting to keep all of that up. And it just, to me, for some people it's authentic and, you know, maybe it works for them. And for me, I'm like, that's just so inauthentic for me. It's bad for my mental health and like, it's not worth the money. It's not worth the quote unquote fame. Like, again, I think it's really important to showcase that, you know, I am multifaceted. (laughs) It is not just the bachelor (laughs) and to, to continue to characterize and, you know, make the women and the men on the show, these very one dimensional characters, I think is like very harmful. So it is. I I love that it connects me with women like you who are badass and speak out and you know allow themselves to be more than one thing and not just be entertaining for people. So I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I'm so boring. Like on my Instagram, it's just like books and like really. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so no. So I want you to share this with people because you do. You post a lot about books, uh, but you have like a whole little book club, and so I think people should find you there. So how do they find that? So there is a link on my Instagram profile at Ashley Spivey, um, but you can also find it on Facebook. I wish that it wasn't on Facebook, but honestly, there's like not a better platform for it. So until I can like create my own website, it's just going to have to be Mm -hmm. on Facebook. But um, it's hashtag Spivey's and then the book emoji club. And I kind of made it hard to find on purpose just because... (laughs) I didn't want it to like blow up and me not yeah. be able to handle it. But I think we've really kind of like found our footing at this point and it's running pretty well. But I really feel like me and dealing with all of the hard things in my life, reading has always been a form of self-care for me because mm-hmm. it, it allowed me to just like take that vacation that I can't do in my normal yeah. life. It's just like, let me not talk to people for a while and read about this whole other <laughs> yeah. like, situation. It's a healthy um, escape. Like getting blacked yes. out, wasted is an unhealthy escape. Yeah. Um, exactly. Reading, healthy coping mechanism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's why I really love um, to push people to read and kind of just to, um, I don't know, instead of turning on the TV or I don't know. Just doing something unhealthy like that, going out and drinking, like sometimes it's just nice to just relax with a book. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that's what we're doing on the book club. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then people can also listen to you on Reality Steve's podcast as well. Yes. And so my podcast with him, and people ask this all the time, there are no Bachelor spoilers in our (laughs) podcast. Ours is purely about relationships or just Hmm. questions people have where they want two different opinions Hmm. about what um, they think like they should do. So... It's the He Said, She Said podcast. You find it under just the Reality Steve podcast. There's mm-hmm. no, like, separate thing for it. Um, but it's something I've really enjoyed doing with him. I feel like we have a great mix of there's been some really hilarious calls where mm-hmm. Steve has learned about dental dams and <laughs> <laughs> things like that. Like, those were my favorite episodes where he really, like, learned something. Yes. Um, but then we've also had some really serious ones, too. And mm-hmm. I think that even if you aren't experiencing any of the things that these people are going through, I think it helps you become a more empathetic and sympathetic person. Absolutely. So that's why I would encourage people to listen. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> No, I I did do one episode with him and it was a, it was a good episode. <laughs> I I love him. I know that he's not everybody's like cup of tea. And I think like one thing even with him is that he's someone who is open to learning. Yes. I and he I, knows I noticed that when I was a guest because he did, we talked a little bit about abusive relationships and he uh-huh. was very inquisitive and had very good questions and it was very much a, in a way a learning moment for him to have me share my story. So I did appreciate that about him. Yeah. And I think that some people have called out rightly so that he has been misogynistic sometimes mm-hmm. and his recaps or things like that. But just mm-hmm. I think that he actually is someone where if you try to tell him that, he listens and he course corrects, you yeah. know, he really does try to make a difference mm-hmm. in, um, the way he talks about people or talks to people. So don't give up on him. Yeah. He's actually, <laughs> he, he's a good person. He has a good heart. Yeah, for sure. At first I was skeptical. And then when I knew that like you and Charlene were, you know, good with him, I was like, okay, there's more to him that I just don't know yet. <laughs> is if Charlene and I have both done a podcast with him like Mm -hmm. he's a good person I think we're pretty good judges of character yes yeah (laughs) well you guys should definitely check out Ashley both at the book club and then on reality Steve's podcast and I'll put links to both of those in the episode notes as well um but thank you so much Ashley this is honestly so wonderful and I could keep talking to you for like many more hours (laughs) about all of this and we could go so much deeper in all of it but I just Really appreciate you, you know, sharing and being open with us like this. Well, thank you for having me on and I'll come back on anytime and I hope I get to see you soon. I know. Same. (laughs) We'll work something out. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed Ashley as much as I did. I think she's just absolutely wonderful. Um, And if you guys have any topics that you guys want to see covered or guests that you want to see on the podcast, you can send emails to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And as always, I love reading your guys' reviews on iTunes. So if you can head on over there and leave a review or give us a star rating, 
sharing. That's greatly appreciated. And as always, we will be back next week talking to someone else about something cool. So have a good rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It. 